Welcome to Light Church. We're so glad you could join us for this weekly message. We hope this message leaves you feeling inspired and equipped to be all that you were made to be. good to have you here this morning. If you're here for the very first time, you're in the right place. And if you're here just visiting, I always say this, I hope that we leave you with something of value for your journey. And um, we don't want this to just be entertainment this morning. This is where we encounter God. And uh, not exclusively, God is available everywhere at all times. But as we come together, we get to encounter God in a different way. So it's special. I'm excited. And uh, before we jump in this morning, Uh, to our series uh, foundations. Last week, we launched our kids ministry after being away and everything being online. And uh, some of you have uh, like fed back in and the kids absolutely had an amazing time last week. So thank you to all the leaders that were involved. And I want to put out a little bit of a, a little bit of a call. So uh, Kids is running every other week, and I want to put out a little bit of a call from uh, at the beginning of the message, just because I want to show that this is a priority, that we want a kids ministry that is a perfectly safe space to champion our kids to be who God has created them to be. That's all, that's all we want for our kids in it. It's not babysitting service. It's not just something to get the kids out of the room. It is an environment to help kids become who it is God has made them to become. That's what it is. So I want to put a call out. We're running kids every other week. And some of you have asked why. Simply just because we don't have enough team. So I'm not, I'm not a big um, one for advertising stuff like this. Like we need some help. But I just want to encourage you. If kids is on your heart, we need some more leaders. And um, if you're there wondering like, oh, I can't be on that often. I want to encourage you. Join the team anyway. You can figure all the details out after. Um, and also by registering your interest, that doesn't mean you're straight on the kids team. We want to make sure it's a safe environment. So we want to know who you are, go through all the checks and all that stuff. And But we do need some kids leaders because we really believe that the kids are not just the future of the church. They are part of this church right here, right now. And God wants to speak to our kids. How amazing is that? So we are going to jump in today. I don't know about you, but... Um, as the, the weather's been changing a little bit, I, I don't even hate to admit this, but I'm not, I'm not one of those guys who really enjoys the hot weather. I don't know if that's a bad thing to say, but I just, I don't enjoy the hot weather. Like I'm the type of person as, as the nights start getting a bit darker and things are a little bit gray, I'm feeling a bit more productive. I'm enjoying the clothes that I get to wear, where the, the jackets and the hoodies, I'm not one for the t-shirts and the shorts. And uh, Holly is the exact opposite. Now, Holly, if there is a little bit of sun, like it's just like peeking through somewhere, you'll find Holly just moving a chair around the room, just finding the sun, wherever it'll be. Like if she could get one of those little like tannin filter funnel things, she'd get one. Uh, but we're not spending our money on that. No, I, I don't know. Has we got any cold, cold weather people in here? Or is it just me? Oh, we got a lot. I'm not on my own. This is good. Holly, Holly says I'm a freak. So um, I know. I know. Anyway, uh, it is funny. But it's been, it has been a crazy 12 months, hasn't it, with, with the, the pandemic. And it's been longer than 12 months. We've spent a long time in our houses where we've just been part, you know, part of the routine that we've been in. Some of us have been working from home and what all that that looks like. And it's, it's not for me. Um, but we've all been working from home. We've been figuring out this new way of doing things. And we found this in our house that you, you tend to notice a lot about yourself when you just... You know, you've only got your own company and you spend a lot of time looking at, I was like looking up at the corner of a room thinking, I don't know if I have my eyes have ever 
looked at that bit of room before because I spent so long in my living room. I've noticed things about my living room I've never seen before. And uh, we found this, I don't know if it's the same with you. We were just like going through the, the, the lockdowns and whatever, and we would see things that would need to change. Right? We need to paint that wall. So we'd go make a list, we'd put it on the list. Or we, we, we'd go see, okay, that needs to be changed. We'd put it on the list. And the craziest thing happened, right? We didn't do any of it. We just have this really long list that every time I look at, I'm like, yeah, I'll do it another day because it's so overwhelming to look at. <laughs> well, it is, it's funny. And sometimes we just, we just put stuff off because it's just so big, isn't it? I remember one time, and this was pre-COVID, so I have no excuse. I remember I got into my car and uh, it was like my first car I'd bought. I was using my mum's for a long time. And it was, it was like a mum car and people would laugh at me. And I finally got my own car and I was driving it for a little bit. And I got in one day, turned the key and this warning light popped up. And it said that the car was in safety mode. Safety mode. So I was Googling, what is safety mode in this car? And it's basically when the car recognizes that there's some form of a fault in it, so it protects the engine. So it like limits the acceleration or it limits the top speed or it, it basically limits the car, turns it into like a glorified pedal over the road basically. And, and it's supposed to be safe. Now I don't know what is safe about it because the amount of times I was like foot flat to the floor on the motorway doing like 58, really nervous because everyone's behind me or the, the amount of times I couldn't pull out somewhere fast enough or whatever it was, it definitely was not safe for me. It might've been safe for the engine. But I went to a, to a mechanic and said, look, this, this thing's popped up. I was straight on it. I'm going to fix this thing. I'm not going to let it leave, you know, leave it. Go to the mechanic. He plugs this thing in, the little computer wire thing. And he's like, I can't see anything wrong with it. I can see it's in safety mode. I think you need to go to a specialist. Now, the only problem with a specialist is the fact that a specialist costs especially a lot of money. So I wasn't in a rush to go see a specialist about my car because my car wasn't especially a lot of money in the first place and I didn't fancy spending especially a lot of amount of money on fixing it. So I was driving it around in safety mode. And for the first week, it was terrifying because the thing was so slow. I think like the Flintstones could have overtaken me. You know, like the, the run, is that an old reference? No? The people remember, do you know the Flintstones? Oh, I'm getting shakes of the head. <laughs> this is the first time I felt really old. The Flintstones. The Flintstones made me feel old. Come on, you know the Flintstones. Oh man, I'll show you later. <laughs> Anyway, I'll leave for another week. <clears throat> so anyway, all that to say, my car was dead slow. For the first week, really, really slow. I hated it. I hate driving it. But then I think I drove in safety mode for about four months. So I just could not bring myself to spend the money to fix the thing. And I, I, I got comfortable with the car being in safety mode. It was slow. It didn't accelerate very quickly. I started to notice oh, this is a really like, economical car. It was in safety mode. It was barely using any fuel, probably because it was like running on just the pure momentum of me putting my foot down. It was so slow, but it was economical. I got comfortable. I got comfortable with the car being limited and, and safe. And I finally got to a place where I thought, you know what? This is not what this thing is made for. I'm just going to take it into the specialist. I'm going to bite the bullet and I'm gonna get him to look at it. So took it into the garage and uh, the, the, the guy did the, the diagnostics on it. He said, hey, good news, it's just a tiny little sensor that's just malfunctioning a little bit. Replace the sensor, it was genuinely like several pounds. It was the cheapest sensor going and 
in an afternoon, the car was fixed, completely fixed. All it needed was the system to be reset for, the, for this little sensor to be changed. And then the car was able to do what the car was meant to do. See, the funny thing is, is like the capacity of the engine was the same, both sides. When it was in safety mode, the car still had the capacity for the power, but actually, when it was in safety mode, it limited itself and the way that it read things and the way that it thought, the way that stuff was going on in the car, it limited the possibilities of the car. Isn't that funny? And I think sometimes if we'd be honest with ourselves and maybe we hate to admit it, but this is exactly a picture of how we relate to God and how we live our lives sometimes. Humanity has the capacity for the power of God. Okay, humanity, when, when God breathed life into us, when he constructed us, when he designed us, he created us with the capacity for his power and his spirit. But for some reason or whatever, whether it's fear of what it might look like, whether it's comfort zone, or maybe it's weirdness. Maybe you, you, you think, ah, this God thing is a little strange. I don't know if I want to get involved in that. For whatever reason it is in our life, we seem to get comfortable with safety mode. Our faith is stuck in this place where it's limited uh, and when it's, it's squished and, and we can't do what it is that God has designed us to do because we're living safe and comfortable. And we begin to justify, ah, oh, this is actually quite convenient. This is actually quite okay. This is actually a lot easier than living how we're supposed to live. And we get complacent and we get comfortable. It's funny, as we've been journeying through this book of Acts and we're in the second week. So last week we were in Acts 1. And we're walking through the book of Acts through this lens of foundations. Because in the book of Acts, we see the foundations of the church. We see the foundations of faith. We see the foundations of the way we see God. We see the foundations of our lives. And the thing is, the book of Acts presents us a new way to be human. I remember getting in my car the day that the sensor got fixed. They called me, it's all good. It's only going to cost you however much. And I jumped in, I remember feeling the power of the car. Wow, this is what acceleration feels like again. This is what the car is meant to feel like. And I remember it was like, this is a new car. It's a new way to drive. It's like not this glorified go-kart that I'd been slugging around the place. And it's just the same. Your life has the capacity for the power of God. Within you is a, is a space or a, a, a capability for God to use you and do things in your life. And it is a new way to be human. There is a, an upgrade available. There is a, another level of power available in your life. But so many of us get stuck living in safety mode. So last week we looked at this kind of like master plan of God, uh, how he wants to redeem humanity. And the, the, the new phase of that was the church. So this big plan fueled by his heart, fueled by his love. And then Acts chapter two, we see the beginnings of this new era. It's like Acts chapter one was the establishing. It was the transitioning. It was the, the kind of new wave of what God was doing. And we see Jesus ascending into heaven. Acts chapter 2, we're going to turn to that today. So Acts chapter 2, verses 1, uh, sorry, verses 1 to 4. So I'm not going to read out all of this passage because it's quite long, but I encourage you every single week to just read one chapter of Acts and you'll track along with this. Um, but I'm just going to read uh, verses 1 to 4. 
And it says this, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So we're going to jump into this whole chapter. We're going to look at uh, what God wants to teach us. And this, this power that is available to us is the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about this, and I think it's really important. But a little bit of context before we jump in to this passage. So, like I said, Acts chapter 1 was this transition period. It was the establishing of, of God's new, the new way, this new promise, this new plan for humanity. And what happens is that... Jesus says to his disciples, look, there's going to be power that's going to come on you, known as the Holy Spirit, and you are going to be my, my demonstrators, my examples of my resurrection wherever you go. But just wait for the Holy Spirit to come. So that was the advice or the, the command that Jesus gave his disciples. And we pick up in Acts 2, it says they were all together in one place the day of Pentecost. Now, that was 10 days after Jesus ascended. So the disciples were told from, from Jesus, hang tight, I'm going to send my power and then we're going to get going. We're going to do some stuff. And then the disciples had to wait 10 days. What's interesting is it said it was, it was this, uh, like the Passover feast, which was a, like a pilgrimage feast, which means that people from all of the neighboring nations, thousands and thousands of people would travel to Jerusalem for this special weekend to observe this feast. So thousands and thousands of people would have been present in Jerusalem. It would have been crazy busy. It would have been mad. Now, God could have initiated his plan the second Jesus went up. Jesus ascends to heaven. Then this new wave starts. The Holy Spirit comes and then the church is birthed. But God... He, he knows what's going on. He's in control. He has his own timing. Think about this. We can only see this in retrospect, but the disciples had to wait for 10 days for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. And we look at the timing. It is in the moment when Jerusalem is at its complete busiest. People from everywhere would have been in Jerusalem. So imagine this is like scraping up a load of hot coals, doing something incredible, and then we see this is God's master plan to grow the church, to spread the gospel, to spread his kingdom. So everyone's together. And it says they were all together in one place, just praying and meeting and waiting on God. They weren't just sat around like, God, when are you going to do this? What's going on? Losing patience. No, 10 days. They prayed. They were just seeking God. God, we're here for whatever it is you want to do. And then it says the room began to shake as this violent wind came from heaven and filled everyone with the Holy Spirit. And the, this like image of fire appeared over everyone's head and they began to speak in languages known by people from neighboring nations and some of them in like heavenly languages that they didn't even understand. And, and then what happened is, is it was such a buzz. You can imagine being in a room where everyone begins to erupt in prayer and praise and worship. And the architecture of those times on the second floor of the temple, there was no walls. It was just pillars like these. And then just the open air. So you imagine the, all of the Jews in Jerusalem at this time are there to observe this feast. And they hear this buzz coming from the, the, the upper room of the temple. And they begin to go, oh, what's going on? What's happening? And they go and they see all of these, these people, 120 people in this upper room just 
praying and thanking God and worshiping him and speaking in their, their own languages that they could understand. And, and the people, it says, they begin to get filled with awe and wonder. Wow, what's going on here? What is happening? But some of them began to mock. Uh, these guys just had far too much wine. Uh, and then I love this Peter, who, who's like the rock of the church. The guy, I love Peter. He's so emotional. He's so emotional, just like you and me. He just says one thing one minute and he goes away and does another. And then he's, I'm so sorry, God, I've done it again. And Peter's just, Peter's our guy in that sense. And Peter jumps up and he's going he's gonna to preach this message about the work of Jesus. And all the tongues stop and, and Peter begins to address 3,000 people in front of them. And I love it. Peter doesn't go any further without addressing the, the critics in the room. He, he, I love it because the Bible just seems to like tongue in cheek funny in this moment. Because it's like, Peter's like, okay, everyone, we haven't had too much wine. It's like nine in the morning. Okay, so you guys can leave that one to the side. Uh, he, he's like addressing them. Hey, he begins to preach about the work and the person of Jesus and all that he did on the cross. And he begins to use their scriptures that we have in the Old Testament from Joel and from Psalms. And he, he paints this picture of just the big story of God and how Jesus is the Messiah and he was the son of God. And you get the picture. He begins to really stir them up and preach them. And their response to this is, what must we do to respond? Like many of us have been in that place, haven't we? Where we hear the message of Jesus and we have an encounter with God and our response is, what can I do next? What is it? What, what can I do? And then Peter stands up and just says this, repent. In other words, turn from the way you're living right now. Be baptized. So he's talking about being baptized in the water, which was a public declaration then that someone was moving from Judaism to Christianity, as in to become a follower of Jesus. And then receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And at the end of Acts 2, we see that all the people that had been added to the church said 3,000 people joined the church that day from all the neighboring nations. This crazy group of people just begin praying together and taking communion together to remember what Jesus did. It was this beautiful community where everyone shared and everyone's money was, was each other's and no one went wanting. Now, just, just for those wondering, in the Bible, when we read the Bible, we need to understand, is a passage prescriptive or is it descriptive? So a, a prescription is the, a Bible verse saying, do this. And a description was, this happened. Now, so many people look at, will look at this verse and will use it as like a source text for communism or something and say, see, no one's money was their own. And that is not a source text for communism. It is a description of what the early Christians did because they had nothing and they had everything all at the same time. So it's important for us to recognize we don't look at this passage and we emulate it exactly event for event. We look at it and say, what is God doing there and who is God to us now? Because like we said, the Bible was not written to us, but it was written for us. So I've got some observations on the character of the Holy Spirit, on the work of the Holy Spirit that I think will help us in our lives understand the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Because my heart for you is that you would live in the power that is available to you. That you would live and be the person that God has called you to be. That you would step into the future that God has placed within you. That's my heart for you. So as we journey through this, three observations about the Holy Spirit. And, um, and then I want to offer us an opportunity at the end, like a little bit of ministry time. For if you have never said yes to Jesus or you have never encountered the Holy Spirit before, we're going to offer an opportunity for you to do that this morning. Because this is 
This is not, I say this every week, this is not just a meeting of people. It's not Christian karaoke. It's not just the right thing to do. This is the meeting of the church and something special happens here and we want to encounter God. That's why we're here. Does that sound good? Sound all right? Cool. So three observations about the Holy Spirit from Acts chapter two. First one is this. If you're taking notes, the Holy Spirit is encountered. The Holy Spirit is encountered. Now to just set a basis for this, the Holy Spirit is not an energy. It is not some cosmic force. It is not some mystical power. The Holy Spirit is a person and it is the third person of God. Say we believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Our God is one in nature and three in person. That sounds complex, but just roll with it. You'll understand it. The more you walk with it, the more you read into it. We don't have time to jump into it today. But the Holy Spirit is a person and he is knowable and he can be encountered. We see the Holy Spirit all throughout the Bible. We see him at creation. It says the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. We see it as the Spirit of God inspires the prophets and leads people throughout the, the desert. We see uh, the Holy Spirit and throughout the ministry and work of Jesus, uh, like he appears in, in the clouds in the form of a dove. We see the Holy Spirit in any time it talks about the Spirit of God, it's referring to the Holy Spirit. And then we see obviously the Holy Spirit here in Acts 2, which is what it's all about. So in this passage, it says this, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came. Suddenly. How many of us know that God rarely acts in a way that we expect, in a timing that we expect? The Holy Spirit has a will and has a mission. And it is rarely, like we rarely understand what that is in the moment. Suddenly. A sound like the blowing of a violent wind came. The Holy Spirit is to be encountered. The Holy Spirit is, is like a tangible presence in this physical world. It's not abstract thought. It's not just an ideology. It's not putting language to a feeling. The Holy Spirit is a person and he can be encountered. It says uh, a wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. This wind came from heaven. It is not just some mystical universe force. It's not karma. We aren't Christian Buddhists. We believe the Holy Spirit is a person and it is the person of God from heaven. And then it says this, Acts chapter two, verse four, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is everywhere always, but he lives at the heart of followers of Jesus. How do we know this? Well, Peter says it. He says, when you repent and are baptized, you come to know Jesus, then you are filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's also to be noted, it is not earned, it is not made up, it is not worked up. The Holy Spirit is a gift from God to help us in our lives. So that means right now in our life, we have the ability to encounter the Holy Spirit, to move it from just head knowledge to intimacy with God. That is one of the ways that God speaks to us and leads us is through the work of the Holy Spirit who lives at the heart of those who follow Jesus. So um, some of us, I think, are in a place when it comes to the Holy Spirit where we are aware of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you can relate with the safety mode thing. Like I know about the Holy Spirit, but right now it's just I need to know a little bit more. Then I'll do the reset of the system and I'll, I'll step into the power. 
Well, this is my heart for today is that this would be that reset, that changing of the sensor to allow us to live in the power that God has for us, to be the people that God has made us to be. The Holy Spirit is to be encountered. How do we encounter the Holy Spirit? What does the Bible say? It says they were all together and they were praying and they were seeking God. The Holy Spirit responds when you have said yes to Jesus. You have the capacity for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will fill you, but sometimes you just need to lift those little gates that we set around him and allow him to do what it is he wants to do in our lives. We seek him. The Holy Spirit is uh, to be encountered. The second thing is the Holy Spirit enables. The Holy Spirit enables. So if humanity has the capacity for the power of God in our lives, we have that system built into us. That is our design. We have the capability to live and to, to breathe in the power of God. The Holy Spirit actually enables to us to do things that we could not do in just our humanity. So you're like, like superpowers? Well, I guess you could say so. We just don't want to call it superpowers because that sounds weird. But ultimately, the Holy Spirit allows us to operate in things and do things that we would not be able to do simply in our humanity. So let's look at this. In, in Acts chapter 2-4, it says that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues. Now, let's just quickly touch on this. We don't have loads of time to, to, to jump in, but I encourage you to read up on this yourself. But it says they began to speak in tongues. Now, tongues are like different languages. In some translations, it says they began to speak in other languages. Now, some of those languages were ones that were recognizable to people, and it was what God did in that moment to speak to people. But tongues is also a gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives humanity gifts. Let's look at this. In 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 to 11, it says this. So this is like, the, like the, the, the Bible passage that outlines what the Holy Spirit can give us to enable us to do in our lives. So it says, To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of those tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So the Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit gives us gifts to operate in ways that are beyond our humanity. Some of you might be just be like, oh yeah, like I, I, I have this weird ability to just discern when someone's telling the truth and I just have this gut feeling and maybe you've labeled it your intuition or your gut or your conscience or something. See, every single one of us, if you've become a follower of Jesus and even those who haven't have the capacity to operate in the Holy Spirit without even knowing it, and you'll see why this is important in a second. But some of you just have this ability that I just, I just sense stuff about people. I don't really know what it is. I'm not saying... I'm not saying I fully understand it. Maybe some of you even have this thing where you just have this, this beautiful ability to care for people and know just exactly what people need in the exact moment. Whatever it is on those lists and there's loads and loads of spiritual gifts, God has given you gifts. God has blessed you and given you the capacity to operate in things beyond your humanity. But listen to this. This is not just abstract power. Okay, the Holy Spirit does not just give, it's like giving a child a gun. That's just not what the Holy Spirit does. It is not just abstract power for the sake of abstract power. 
Now we should eagerly desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but that's not the point of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at this. So it says that the tongue is a fire above the heads of people. Some scholars think this is a metaphor. Some people think it genuinely happened. Either way, it's in the Bible and it means something to us. Fire in the Bible is often a representation of refinement and purity. So actually when the Holy Spirit came, it didn't just give the, the, it didn't give the disciples, the apostles abstract power. It gave them the opportunity to be pure. It refined them as people. Check this out. The Holy Spirit enables us to be more like Jesus. Let's go into this for a second. I think so many of us sometimes mistake the gifts and the fruits of the Spirit. See, we walk around and think the manifestations of the Spirit and the evidence of the Spirit being at work in our life is that all these crazy kooky things happen and we see like amazing miracles and people speaking tongues and all this crazy power happens and the Holy Spirit wants to do that. But let's look at this. Galatians 5, 23, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It is not for abstract power, but it is for purity. The work of the Holy Spirit helps us to be the people that God has made us to be. The work of the Holy Spirit should overflow in our lives so that we can love one another better. So that we can be kinder to one another. You know what? I see so many churches that say, oh, we're spirit churches. And often people like pit the spirit and the word together. I don't understand this. Because in Acts 2, when the pouring of the Holy Spirit came, what happened? Peter stood up and quoted the scripture. See, the spirit does does not pull away from the word. It actually lights it up. Hey, so so many people think that the spirit is anti-order. No, it's not. It lights up order. The Holy Spirit does not just come. It's not this liquid thing that just means all plans and and every single thing goes out the window and we just bask in his presence. And there are places for that and times for that. Especially in your devotion, sit in the presence of God. But you know what? I see a lot of churches say we're spirit churches. I don't see much love. I don't see much joy. I don't see much peace. I don't see much patience. See, everyone wants the power, but no one wants the purity that comes with the Holy Spirit. Paul, in the book of Corinthians, says to the Corinthian church, you're doing amazing miracles. You're doing all this wondrous stuff, but you're sinning in such a crazy way. And you have forgotten your first love. This shows us that people can operate in the gifts of the Spirit without actually following Jesus fully which demonstrates something to us, is that the gifts of the Spirit should be eagerly desired, but they are not the reason we exist. They exist to edify or to encourage one another as the church and to encourage people, uh, to demonstrate to people the power of God. But it is not the point of our existence. The overflow of the Spirit in our life should make us kinder, should make us more joyful. You know what? We could do the most amazing miracles. You could come in here and see the most crazy things, dead people waking up. Having a dead person in the room would be a weird thing to start off with. So I don't know how that would work, but dead people raising up, people like limbs growing back, which is the power of God can do that. I fully believe that. What does the Bible say? You can speak in tongues, you can do all this stuff, but if you don't have love, Why? Because the Holy Spirit overflows in our life to make us more like Jesus. 
That is the point. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's not get it mixed up. It's not abstract power. It is purity. See, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are like tools. But we need to learn how to use the tools in our life. It's like trying to plaster a wall with a hammer sometimes. Where we just think, ah, the gift, that's what it's all about. I want to be in a church that, that like people are prophesying every week. Let me tell you this about Light Church. I have a very, very high view of prophecy. I really believe that God speaks through people that have a prophetic gifting. I really, really believe that. And some people say, why don't you let people just come and take the mic and stand at the front? I have such a high view of prophecy that the purpose of the elders in the church is to weigh what it is that people come and say. Because if we just let anyone walk up here and say, this is what God is saying, it can be so damaging. And I've experienced it and I've seen it. People walking away from meetings, feeling down and feeling broken because God has told them something that God did not tell them. I have a high view of prophecy. And if God wants to speak to his church, he is going to speak to his church. And we are going to cultivate the gifts of the spirit in this church, but it is going to be through intentionality. It is not anti-order. It is not anti-scripture. People say you're a word church, you're a spirit church. I'm a Jesus church and Jesus used the Bible. I'm a biblical church. That's what we're going to be. It's not spirit versus word. We're a Bible church. And in the Bible, it talks about the Holy Spirit. Is this okay? We good? feel like you're all like, okay. It's coming down this morning. Yeah, how was church? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the Holy Spirit is to be encountered. The Holy Spirit enables us uh, to be our true selves because in relationship with Jesus, we become the truest version of us. The Holy Spirit allows us to do it. And then finally, the Holy Spirit empowers. The Holy Spirit empowers. So often in our lives, we find ourselves in moments where we're asked to do something or we're presented with a situation where we feel like, I just don't know if I can do that. Kind of like me keeping a sermon under 30 minutes. So I keep checking my watch. Uh, so often we find ourselves in these situations where it's like God's asked us to do something or there's a situation in front of us. And we just think, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I have the capacity or capabilities to do that. Or maybe other people in your life are looking at you thinking, yeah, I don't know if you have what it takes to do that. Maybe God's asked you to start a business and people around you are like, really, you? Really, are you sure? I don't know what it might be, but the Holy Spirit empowers us to do what it is God has asked us to do. Let's look at this. In Acts chapter 2, 14, Peter, Peter, the same guy who several weeks, months before this moment, was stood in a courtyard right after Jesus died. And someone asked him, aren't you one of the Jesus guys? And Peter denies Jesus three times, denies even knowing him publicly. No, I never knew him. No, I never knew the guy. No, the same Peter who did that is stood up in Acts chapter 2, 14 in front of 3,000 people, boldly declaring what it is that God has done, boldly declaring the resurrection of Jesus. The same guy. There was no prep time. Peter wasn't sat like me, planning to preach all week, mulling it over, practicing it in the mirror. I do that sometimes. Peter just gets up and empowered by the Holy Spirit begins to tell people about the resurrection of Jesus. Tell people about the power of God. The same guy. And then in Acts chapter 2 verse 7, I love this. This is beautiful. 
the, the disciples, the apostles were from Galilee, right? And they were all speaking in tongues and other languages. And if you read in Acts here, it says that the crowd began to say, aren't those the Galileans? Now to us, that doesn't make sense. It just sounds like, oh, aren't those the guys from Galilee? But if you understand it in what it was meant to mean, the Galileans were like the, were like the blue collar. They were like the ones that people just didn't see as anything. They were like the dumbos of the time. They couldn't speak properly. They used to drop vowels. People would mock them and mimic them. There's like ancient books written about how ridiculous it is that they couldn't speak. And they were like the laughingstock of people, especially when it came to language. And then these Galileans are speaking eloquently in other languages and people are saying, wait, isn't that the Galileans? Isn't, aren't they the ones who, what, are you sure that's them? Listen to this, God wants to use our worst to display his best. Okay, so don't tell me that your life is too far gone. Don't tell me that the situation you're facing is too hopeless. Don't tell me that the skills you've got just aren't enough. Don't tell me that whatever it is you're facing, you're never gonna see it come to pass because God is a God who turns things around. That is the nature of God. He takes our worst to display his best. So if you're facing something in your life right now and you're stood across from it thinking, I don't know how, I don't know how this is going to happen. I, God, are you sure you, you want me to start that? Are you sure that's what you want me to do? Well, the Holy Spirit gives us this power. It empowers us to do what it is he's asked us to do. It gives us the power to continue, the power to endure, the power to hope. The, the, the power to seek God in the darkest of times. And then Acts 2, 42 verses 40, Acts 2 verses 47, 42 to 47. <laughs> I'll get there. Um, we see this beautiful moment. I'm nearly finished. We see this beautiful moment where the, the, the disciples, the apostles are all together. And it says that the church began to form and people were sharing with one another. People were praying one another. People were paying for things. They were, they were sharing possessions and they were sharing communion. And it's this, this beautiful moment of unity. And isn't it funny that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit initially caused this, what you call like the manifestations of the Spirit, the gifts. But the real lasting impact of the Holy Spirit in the lives of these early believers was unity in the church. Yeah. Was this overflow of the fruits of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables us to be church, to love one another deeply, to share each other's burdens. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be better people with one another. That's one of the beautiful elements of the Holy Spirit. He builds his church because he empowers us to be what he's called us to be. So I'm gonna ask the band to come up. But I just want to encourage any of you this morning who are maybe in front of something that feels impossible, that feels like, I don't know how that's going to happen. I, I don't know if I have what it takes to even believe this stuff, to be a Christian. Well, you can encounter the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can enable you to be more like Jesus and can empower you to do what it is he's called you to do. That That is... That is the good news of this passage. But what for? Why the Holy Spirit? What is it about the Holy Spirit and God's master plan? Why, why the Holy Spirit? Was it just for, for the, the fruits? Was it just for the unity? What was it for? 
The Holy Spirit is foundational to Christian life and foundational to the church because the Holy Spirit's job is to constantly point to, remind, reveal the person and the work of Jesus. The Holy Spirit exists. God sent the Holy Spirit on a mission to reveal Jesus to us. The Holy Spirit's power is not to dominate. It is not this, this heavy-handed power, but it is a power to change and a power to be molded, a power to love, a power to be who it is God has asked us to be. So, in times of hopelessness, the Holy Spirit is there to remind us that in Jesus you have victory. That when you're in times of confusion, the Holy Spirit is there to remind you that in Jesus, there's hope for the future. The Holy Spirit is there to reveal the person and work of Jesus. So when you feel worthless, God, I've screwed up again. God, I, I don't think I can do this Christian thing. I'm not good enough. The Holy Spirit can remind you that on the cross, Jesus did not say one day it'll be finished. He said it is finished. So the Holy Spirit exists to remind you of the finished work of Jesus in your life to give you power to do what it is you need to do. Whatever it is you've been asked to do, the Holy Spirit will give you power to do it. To remind you that this is not a void religion of some empty hopes. I think it was Karl Marx said that uh, the Christian faith is just, it is what desperate people do to make themselves feel better. <laughs> I'm here to tell you this morning, that is not what this is. The Holy Spirit exists to remind us of the person and work of Jesus so that we can face whatever it is that we need to face in this life. Be it a doctor's diagnosis, be it mental illness, the various things and the pains and the sufferings that we will encounter, the Holy Spirit's there to remind us, Jesus is with you. Don't worry. So soon as... As soon as the, everyone pours out of that upper room, you see Peter preaches to everyone. As he begins to preach to everyone, what's interesting is the gifts in that moment, the, the tongues, they stop. And everyone's quiet to listen. Because one of the effects of the Holy Spirit, like I said, where the mission of the Holy Spirit is to reveal Jesus. What does Peter start doing? He stands up in front of people. And as the Holy Spirit begins to, the Bible says, cut people to the core. You ever felt like that? Like, oh, that one touched something. Ah, that got me. The crowd stood in front of, of Peter saying, okay, well, what must we do? And listen to what Peter says. He begins to tell the story of Jesus. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus, the work, the person, the nature, the character of Jesus. And then Peter says this, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Listen, the promise is for you, your children, and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord will call. This message is not for people who have it all together or who think that life is just all sorted for them. It says for all who are far off. Your life is not too far gone. The Holy Spirit wants to demonstrate, to reveal the heart of Jesus to you this morning. It is all about Jesus. We don't gather here just for knowledge. We gather here to worship and encounter Jesus. You've been listening to a weekly message from Light Church. If you would like any more information, 
You can find us online or on social media. Thanks for listening.